Hello, everybody, and welcome to the CTA Dispatches Podcast, Episode 5. I'm Marco Baghetto. With me, as always, is Lack Schoen, Jonathan Blackham. I'm happy to report that John is back to being a permanent fixture at our office, mm-hmm. although I'm still trying to get used to the fact that not every strand of hair is perfectly in place. <laughs> <laughs> also with me is Jeff Wood, who, if things don't work out here, can always open up a barbershop. Hey, Jeff, can you cut my kids' hair? <laughs> Whatever, no you, whatever, whatever you need, Marco. Because <laughs> my teenager tried to give my 12-year-old a haircut, and let's just say it's a good thing that they're quarantined and it doesn't have to go out. And, of course, our fearless president, Stephen Laskowski, or as I recently nicknamed him, Tweakenstein, because, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, a social media monster has been created. Look out, world. You're liking the Twitter, eh, Steve? I love Twitter. I'm doing one right now. <laughs> He's like, he's like how me and my brothers were when my dad bought us our first Nintendo in 1985. Yeah, I've discovered a whole new world, Marco. <laughs> anyway, so the world has been quite active since we uh, last did our podcast. I, uh, I feel like we skipped the murder hornets. What happened to the murder hornets? <laughs> I haven't heard about the murder hornets. No? No. Google them. They were supposed to be uh, the yeah, next... They were the big thing, right? They were supposed to be the, the next big thing after uh, COVID, but... Yeah, they're on BC. Something like that. And the locusts are coming. The locusts locusts, COVID-19. We'll have to get Dave Earl on the, on the line, and Dave can give us a, a, a murder hornet update. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, mur- the murder hornets are going to have to wait. I think uh, the world has some other pressing issues, and uh, something tells me, you know, we might get visited by aliens before it's all said and done. Anyway... Let's not start the podcast with COVID. I'm sure it'll creep its way into the conversation at some point, but let's revisit some subjects that were topical uh, before March, are still topical, quite frankly, but have been put on the back burner. So, Jeff, uh, remember when hours of service was a thing? I do, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, we have so, some new developments, right? Yeah, so we'll, we'll go through. I mean, everyone's aware that FMCSA issued a... Well, not a proposal, but the issue, their revised hours of service. So it was announced in mid-May, and it went in the Federal Register on Monday. So so they're looking at, uh, and, and again, this isn't, this is old news, but it, it is sort of new news. Um, but they're looking sort of at, at three specific, or sorry, four specific provisions in their hours of service. And, you know, from, from our perspective, most of what they're proposing further aligns FMCSA's hours of service with ours, which is, which we see as a good thing. Uh, we're, we're still looking... Uh, at some of the some of the uh, the changes to, to see how they exactly how they line up in, in the Canadian context, but I think what, what we've seen is uh, is is a is a further alignment. So, do you want me to get into the specifics of of each? Yeah, if you can give us a Coles okay. Notes version of that for sure. Okay, so so I, I think the the biggest thing and for for us when when we were looking at this is obviously in the Canadian context we have a fairly uh, robust split sleeper birth provision. Um, mm-hmm. That's something that the uh, that FMCSA looked at, and they've actually adopted it. Not not in the in the same context as the as the Canadian rules, but they've they've provided more flexibility on split split sleepers, which I think will uh, will benefit uh, will benefit everybody in the long run. It, it provides more flexibility and puts uh, puts our rule set a lot closer uh, to the U.S.'s. Yeah, because well. when we came up with that distinction way back, we were the envy of the industry. Correct. I mean, and, and again, provides flexibility, and it's based, I mean, our, our rules are based on, on science and, and providing, uh, you know, more off-duty time at each day than, uh, than than we had before. So so we're, we're looking forward to that. that. That was sort of, you know, when this initially came out, that was our big focus. 
uh, two other two other sort of uh, minutia changes or, or minor changes. Um, there were some changes in the 30-minute rest break provision, uh, and again, we don't have that. That doesn't line up with our hours of service, but the but FMCSA provided some further clarity on that. Again, more more flexibility for drivers and, and when they use that and how they use it. The adverse driving, sort of where they align, that's you know a lot closer than than we were prior to to this announcement. I think that the interesting one for for me at least, and, and, and obviously Steve and I have talked about this, is the uh, the specific changes to the U.S. short haul provision, um, which is which it, again it's it's an interesting one from our perspective. They they look at it. Well, short haul is you know if if you break it down, it's really time and distance. So what what FMCSA has done is they've increased the amount of time a driver uh, can be on shift in order to qualify for the for the short haul provision. So it went from 12 hours to 14 hours. Uh, you know, there's obviously provisions provided. I mean, they can they can use it provided they return home. But but again, more flexibility on on the amount of uh, on the on the hour side of it. The the one interesting thing that we picked out was not only is it time they're adding, but they're also adding distance, so a significant amount of distance. So they've increased the the radius from 100 air miles uh, to 150 air miles. Right. And if if you trans if you um, convert that into into metric, that's 277 kilometer radius. So our radius in Canada is 160. The new US the new US radius is 277. So that's you know some of the other the other spin-offs of that uh, in the short haul provisions and just like we have in, in our in our in our world um, you don't need an ELD if you're if you qualify for the short haul provision so extending the the air mile radius from 100 to 150 miles it extend it extends the uh, the the range in which a carrier would not need an ELD so so from a regional trucking operation there there are some significant changes we're uh, we're seeing again we're still examining the the full scope of what that means in the U.S. right uh, but that's that is uh, that is something we found uh, very interesting and, and we'll we'll keep a close eye on for sure Lack we had an announcement um, way back that the border will be closed another month. Uh, when it does reopen, obviously we don't know the details, but we, we can read the tea leaves. If you just open up any newspaper, or newspapers when they existed, if you open up any web page, it's safe to say that at some point in the future, things will change just like processing changed after 9-11. And that's safe to say, right? Yeah, I think so. And uh, if you've seen in, in provinces across Canada, they've been introducing other measures to sort of mitigate against the spread of COVID-19, such as the voluntary testing of truck drivers. So we've seen you know, testing being introduced in, in provinces such as New Brunswick. I believe there's uh, been an introduction of testing uh, this week uh, in Manitoba. There's been discussion of that uh, in, uh, in Ontario as well. The Atlantic uh, region is maybe the canary in the coal mine right now, but based on what you're hearing, how intrusive is it? How, how is the process going? So the process in uh, New Brunswick, I believe, just got uh, underway. And based on some of the feedback from some of our, our members out, out in, the, in the Maritimes, there hasn't been any major issues in terms of uh, what their, their drivers have been reporting. But uh, at this point, I think it's important to stress that it is a voluntary process. And I believe the, the province of New Brunswick has said that if they don't have enough uh, drivers volunteering to get tested, they may make it uh, a mandatory policy moving forward so we'd likely get a better indication about some of the pros and cons this this is the tip of the iceberg i think 
Yeah, I mean, we've been discussing uh, things such as removing uh, paper processing at the border for, for a number of years, and I think uh, removing these processes has really been illuminated over the course of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and unnecessarily putting both drivers and border officers at risk by potentially spreading the disease uh, through paper is something that's completely unnecessary. And uh, quite frankly, the use of, of paper uh, is a uh, archaic process and it's, it's burdensome for both uh, government and industry. So I think coming out of COVID-19, we're going to have to uh, really reassess the situation in terms of how much paper is used at the border and, and what we can do uh, in terms of uh, reducing that amount. There's a lot of technologies that are out there, such as RFID and license plate readers and even using smartphone apps, which are a lot more efficient and, and can reduce some of those processes. So uh, those are some of the discussions we'll likely be having with, with CBSA and uh, some other stakeholders uh, as we begin the recovery from COVID-19. Steve, I'm going I'm to break the news to you now. Twitter cannot predict the future. <laughs> that being said, uh, if you had to look into a crystal ball or just based on the feedback of what members are saying to you, um, is the industry ready for change? I think it's it's not just about industry being ready for change. I think it's society being ready for change. And our industry is just an extension of, of, of society. And uh, whether it's the media, politicians, the general public, our members' customers, our members' employees, our members, our members directly. Uh, COVID-19 is bringing on a series of rapid changes, and as Locke just mentioned, some of which will no doubt remain permanent. And uh, I can expect that uh, over the coming weeks, months, and possibly next couple of years, that uh, the aftermath of COVID-19 will generate many discussions within the supply chain and within government about uh, needed changes. Uh, you know, whether it's COVID-19 or whether it's the next, next disease, uh, th this will be an issue that uh, our sector and all members of the supply chain are going to have to, to deal with. The question is, what are we dealing with? Right. And uh, we're starting to see more and more of that. And uh, I think the key for us and the key for all uh, industry and government is is staying ahead of it as opposed right. to reacting to it. And, uh, you know, this was a whole new situation for governments, for industry, for everyone. Uh, but now that we're, we've lived it, hopefully we never have to live it again. And we put measures in place that uh, we can function. Yeah. And then working... Uh, cooperatively and vigilantly to make sure that, you know, infrastructure is there, costs come down, technology improves, capacity uh, is there to meet uh, demand for not just our industry, but a whole host of industries and sectors. Yeah, I think the key will be uh, developing measures or responding to, uh, to requirements uh, that allow the ch supply chain to function efficiently as, a, as opposed to impeding the supply chain. Uh, I think governments at all levels ha have worked with us in understanding that uh, we need to develop responses to COVID-19, but in developing those responses, we can't have yet another barrier to efficiencies in the supply chain, whether it's for drivers, trucking companies, or our customers. So obviously it's a balance. and. Uh, you know, I think uh, kudos to uh, the province of Ontario and the government of Canada that we deal with directly on, on a more regular basis that 
there is a, there's a collaborative open dialogue about how we proceed and move forward and how, how we weigh all the factors that government and industry need to weigh in moving forward here. We've talked about this before, and the trucking industry is in a is in a unique situation in the fact that it's sort of like in limbo. It's required. It's an essential service. It's being called upon to um, ensure that Canadians have the you know the food products and the medicine and all the other essential items uh, required to uh, fight the pandemic. Uh, that being said, they're hurting, and sort of it's a bit of a uh, stuck between a rock and a hard place. So. They can use the support, all the support that they need. Lack, coming out of COVID, there's, there's been a lot of attention being paid to businesses uh, and support and how to keep their heads above water. I'm sure John will have a lot of insight on that. Uh, but I remember there was some talk about, about a federal rebate program out of the federal carbon tax money. Where are we with that? So this has been an ongoing discussion for probably uh, over a year or so. So uh, we were working with the Environment and Climate Change Canada and introducing a rebate program uh, for technologies such as uh, aerodynamic devices and uh, other methods of reducing uh, GHGs from within uh, the trucking and transportation sector. So we were making some progress in terms of developing that program and what sort of the the rebate levels would look like. Uh, And then we had the the federal election period come up last year. We had the naming of uh, a new minister and, and Minister Wilkinson who take a, uh, a new and renewed look at uh, how we could approach looking at this rebate program moving forward. And from Environment Climate Change Canada's perspective, they're looking at other measures beyond, uh, let's say, rebate program that might help uh, stimulate uh, not only the, the trucking industry, but also the the larger economy as well through through more of a, an environmental lens. So we are working with uh, with our CTA board and again a number of stakeholders uh, to look at different programs and some of the different tools and mechanisms you can use to help fleets in the recovery from COVID nineteen moving forward. John, a lot has happened uh, on the emergency wage subsidy front since uh, we last did the podcast. Um, I know, for example, that. You know, we have been discussing with the government about how to make it more inclusive, that not all companies qualify, even though they are uh, impacted to the same degree that companies that do qualify for it are. Um, What can you tell us of what's going on on that? Yeah, that's exactly right, Marco. So, you know, obviously the biggest news on the wage subsidy front is it is being extended. Uh, you know, I think most of the carriers and folks listening to this will will be aware of that. But it, uh, if not, it's been extended to August 29th, 2020. Uh, very, very positive. Um, you know, but one of the big things that came along with this announcement that we were really happy about was the fact that they said, hey, look, we're going to look at the program's design now as well. Um, You know, I think when it first came out, decisions were being made quickly. They were being revised. Just just get the money out. Yeah, they just had to get it out. And, and, you know, it it wasn't perfect. You know, some sectors, some people had issues with it. But, you know, programs delivered at that speed are never going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I think as they look at phase two, it's the perfect time to to look at you know, look at what can be fixed. And I think they're doing that. So for us, one of the big things is the 30% threshold. You know, you said looking at a more scaled approach. 
it's something we've favored, uh, we as CTA have favored anyways, uh, throughout conversations on this. And it's, it's just simply when we say scaled, really what we're referring to is sort of matching the, the support provided by the government to the actual level of uh, decreases the carrier or the company is feeling. Um, you know, in our business conditions survey, there was a huge chunk of carriers that fell right below that 30% right. magic threshold, you know, and we've talked about that, Marco, in, in previous podcasts. So Anecdotally, if you have to give a percentage of how many more carriers would be included if they increase the threshold, what would you say, like ballpark? I mean, based on our numbers, I would say that you would look at maybe an additional 20, 25%. Uh, getting in, huge, um, you know. But if you were to make it fully scalable, then it, it could be everybody right. that's in, and and it's just matched to how bad they they needed the support. And that's so, not out of the realm of possibility. No, I mean it's you know it's it, it would be a big step for sure. It, it it would be huge undertaking for for government, but. You know, if we're talking about supporting businesses, it, we've always felt that's, you know, that's one way to do it. So um, we've sent in our technical submission. They're consulting on this second phase right now. We've sent in our detailed comments. They focus heavily on the business conditions we're experiencing, uh, the scaled approach. So, you know, we'll see, uh, we'll see how it goes. Awesome. Okay, guys. So... What have you guys been, uh, how have you been spending your quarantines at home? You know, this is, uh, get, the members can get out their handkerchiefs and Kleenexes and, and wipe the tear away. I mean, I think all of us, whether it's me and all you guys, I mean, weekends really haven't been weekends for a long time. I mean, it's just catching up with government people who we, they've been trying to catch up with us. I think uh, one thing about COVID-19 uh, it has been, whether it's been the staff at CTA or or the or the political folks or, or the bureaucracy we deal with, uh, it's been a twenty four seven endeavor. I mean, stuff happens, as we've mentioned on other podcasts. Just pray lack doesn't come into your office <laughs> at five o'clock with an announcement about the border. You know, uh, people are asking us, "Do you see the light at the end of the tunnel?" And uh, haven't seen it yet, uh, other than to say that there's a lot more probably coming. And so uh, you're trying to tell us you haven't turned on Netflix once. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> no, I get my Netflix in. What are, what are you watching? What are you watching these days? What are you watching? I don't know the name of it. Melena picked it. Something about uh, two women mad because her husband died or something like that. Anyway, it's pretty good. I don't want to hear it. That sounds <laughs> that sounds awful. Black, what about you? What are you watching? Uh, I just finished watching season three of Westfield. I know we talked about that a little bit over the, the I last watched week or so. Episode seven of season three, so I have one more episode and I have to say I know what you're talking about. It fell off the rails. It did. And right at the end it fell off the, the rails. Right at the end. I'm not happy. For all our listeners who are listening to this, Marco is a movie snob. There's nothing wrong with season three. At least you can understand it. When I first got hired here, Steve and I would have epic... Jeff, tell, tell the story about our epic battles about zombies. You remember those? <laughs> Jeff doesn't want to engage my, you. My, 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 yeah, I, I was enlightened every Monday morning about Zom- zombies yeah. and uh, football, neither of which I care too much for. <laughs> it was the early days of The Walking Dead, and it just sparked furious debate. Just right, two. though. Monday mornings in here, you had Walking Dead on Sunday night, and then you had football, and Steve and I basically were a stone's throw away from each other. 
with our offices, and it was just a war zone. Everybody knew to stay away on Monday morning. Just for the members' benefit, Jeff's idea of entertainment is skiing and reading a new report about some kind of lift axle. <laughs> and then watching World Series. You get full value from Mr. Wood membership. World Series reruns when the, when the Blue Jays were good. Oh, wow. Sports. Remember that? Okay, Marco, wrap this thing up. Right, go back to work. This is the world's smallest violin play. Just <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs>